IndieWire's very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. Um, perhaps you spent last night watching television. Uh, there's There was no shortage of stuff for you to watch. The, lots of good stuff premiered, including two new shows that, both, uh, that Ben reviewed, where Ben reviewed one of them and I reviewed the other. And one of them was a comedy. One of them was a drama. One of them, but they had one big thing in common. What thing was that, Benjamin? Leighton Meester. No, unfortunately, she wasn't in time after time. Oh. Um, give me a hint. Well, you know how the, the, the hands on the clock thing, you move forward? Sure. Sometimes they can move backward in this particular genre of television and storytelling in general. Uh, this isn't hard. We agree to this topic. Uh, I'm a little busy over here. I was only like half paying attention <laughs> to when we agreed to a topic. I just heard that you is, say Leighton Meester. Ha- you said late. I could talk about Leighton Meester. And I said, okay. And that was, I thought that was all that we discussed. And there by was the more. way, that is, that, note to self, that is a handy trick for future instances to get me to pay attention? Yeah. Or well, to get to you to do whatever I want. I don't know about that, but I mean, I, as of yet, I, I am proving unwilling to discuss <laughs> anything other than Leighton Meester. So I don't know if you succeeded in your goal. Okay. Point is, there were two new time travel shows joining the oh! network. Oh my freaking God, don't you play this game. I get it now. <laughs> you were so, so charming and so, so soon to be dead. I didn't watch Time After Time. I don't know what it's about. Time, you edited the review. <laughs> Copy edited. You m- made me rewrite the headline. Technically. Hmm. Point is, um, two new shows joined the joined the lineup of t- other time travel television currently airing, and there was already a fair amount, to be honest. So it's hard to say whether or not we needed two more shows. But Ben, you really liked uh, uh, making history to some degree. I did. I enjoyed it. Now, what did you enjoy about it besides its charming lady lead? This is not what I agreed to. <laughs> what? You said I could talk about Leighton. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to broaden it out quickly, and then you can talk about Leighton. Oh, God, that's exhausting. Um, to be honest, what I like about making history and where Liz and I, I feel, conflict on our opinions and interest in time travel shows is I like that making history does not give a shit about the logistics of time travel. Um they so little do they give a shit that their time travel device is a gym bag (laughs) that is not even they don't even bother explaining how the gym bag came to be the device they use to travel back in time we just know that they get inside of it and somehow they travel back in time there's no discussion of like putting in dates or what happened like I think it was, it's very far in the future even that we find out some of the specifics of how the time travel actually works mm-hmm. because it's so secondary to the plot. <laughs> this, this is lovely to me because what I engage with is not random discussions of things that can't possibly exist or why they should work, but what you're going to do with that device once you've decided to use it. So making history has a lot of fun with that, um, know, notably I... traveling to a lot of different times, uh, but also not restricting themselves to doing that 
every episode is a new place and a new time. They stretch things across multiple episodes. Uh, they kind of go as far as, as short as they need to with each concept. They go back and forth a little bit, which is nice. So, um, yeah, it works really well. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I have to say I do like I do like a show that knows exactly what level of commitment it wants to put into um, making the time travel feel real. Um, I, and I, I actually, I think I asked at TCAs, like, how much development they'd put into, like, the actual time travel. And their answer was very little, as you said. And, you know, yeah, that if, 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 you, if you're doing it in a way where you're having fun with it and it works for everyone, like, yeah, I think that's a great approach. Can I talk about Leighton now? Yes, you may, not, you may do that now. Excellent. Okay, so Leighton Meester, you all know her from two very distinctly different projects. One uh, was the great short-lived, well, not that short, but great, briefly great, CW series Gossip Girl. Did it start on WB or was it always only CW? Don't remember. I think okay. it was just CW, but I'm not sure. All right. Um, it was fairly recent. I mean, I think it premiered in like 2009, maybe 2008. Uh, but anyway, she was great on that. She played um, a very spoiled, rich kid named uh, Blair Waldorf. Was she a bad of... girl who got to make good? No. She was just bad. Like, she was really good at being bad. She was the queen of the school. She ran the show. She lorded over Manhattan in her own, you know, very large and prominent wealthy circles. Uh, and she also had a, a great love affair with Chuck, which was just a lot of fun. Uh, so anyway, she was very, very good at being kind of deliciously evil. And um, she was pretty well-rounded, as all of Josh Schwartz's uh, kind of secondary female characters are. Like in on the OC, you got a lot out of Rachel Bilson's Summer mm-hmm. because she started off kind of being a same type of character where she was in charge of what was going on in those social circles. And then she kind of became a little more well-rounded as she fell for Seth and as she kind of got into the group and was brought down to earth a little bit. Um, so you, so anyway, that was the start. That was one. Number two was the underrated, I'm pretty sure we can call it a soap opera on cinema, Country Strong. Oh, Ben, if only we, if only you knew some of the songs from Country Song, Strong and were able to sing them for us right now on this very podcast. If only you had, hadn't just done that 10 minutes ago. Surely you're too worn out. <laughs> I'm never too worn out to sing Country Strong. It's a tremendous soundtrack from a bonkers movie that if you haven't seen it, I must highly recommend uh, this Gwyneth Paltrow, Garrett Hedlund, and Leighton Meester starring Jim. I mean, it is. There is there like some sort of scene where like somebody has like a drunken diva flip out? Oh, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's character is just drunk off of her gourd most of the time. Um, so that's a lot of fun to behold in and of itself. But she is country goopy. strong, Liz. <laughs> so she knows how to handle herself and handle her booze, oh, or Lord. so she thinks. Um, we should note that this was an Academy Award-nominated film. So For what? Doesn't matter, Liz. <laughs> Does, it's an Academy it, it Award-nominated film. So it's very important that but you see it. But it didn't win? It did not. Okay, so it's still shocking. It doesn't have more Oscars than Carol. I don't like that you brought that back you know how much that hurts me i'm sorry so that's just not it's not nice of you and it wasn't nice of david ehrlich on oscar (laughs) night so both of you are in the shit box right now that being said leighton meester's songs in country strong are fantastic one's a very catchy song called summer girl there's another one that's more of a love song between her and garrett headland um great stuff so she's she's got a range here like we've, we've always known that she's had range 
But what's impressive about making history is how assertively and enthusiastically she takes to the kind of supporting comedic player. She's she's a little bit of the wild card. She's a little bit of that um, that that sidekick character, but she is absolutely refusing to be put into the box of just the girlfriend. Like in the show, she's a colonial. <laughs> she's without spoiling anything. I'll just say she is a colonial individual who uh, falls for Adam Pally's character when he goes back in time, and they end up together, like, and he explains to her at the end of the first episode kind of what's actually happening, and she goes along on all their adventures. Um, so you get a lot of humor out of her kind of ignorance to future accepted behavior and future devices and stuff like that, but she always brings it back to a very grounded level of, you shouldn't be making fun of me for this. It's not funny because I don't understand it. What's funny is what I'm telling you and what I'm deciding to do and how I'm deciding to handle it, and this gives her this really addictive air of confidence and more importantly the character itself is built is built around her being a progressive feminist person in a time when women were treated if you can imagine even worse than they are now um and and she just doesn't tolerate that shit like she just stands up for it and you're building kind of a character around that idea and then she travels through time and sees a bunch of different iterations of how women were treated and doesn't stand for it and fights back and goes against the grain and she does it with this with this unbridled enthusiasm like she's just so positive the whole time that she becomes an absolute delight and i'm really hoping that they continue to develop her in this vein and and let her kind of do her own thing and lead her own adventures and and become a true uh lead of the show instead of kind of just slightly secondary to uh adam pally and uh oh god i forgot the name of the other lead lester uh forgot it i'll look it up up. i'll look it up but Um, just to wrap up quickly i will say she's great would if if they got rid of the two gentlemen who are ostensibly the stars of the show and it was just her Yasir Yasir Lester that's his yes. name but if they just got rid of if they got rid of those guys and it was just her going on time adventures would the, would you would you think the show would be improved by that No it wouldn't be improved I mean I, I don't I don't want to take away from anything that Yasir and Adam are doing like they they are tremendous in where they are for the, and what they do for the show, especially Yasir. He's he's very specific in his performance. He's got a lot of um, a lot of detail that goes into defining his character, which is a lot of fun to kind of watch unfold without too much exposition. Um, and they're they're integral to making this thing work. Pally has always been a lot of fun on screen, and and seeing him kind of graduate to the leading man status is all the more deserving. It's just that they create a very good trio and she is surprisingly strong in her comedic chops for always kind of playing around with it and always you you suspected she had that in her back pocket but she's really just going for it and that's a lot of fun nice i interviewed adam pally a couple years ago um for at south by for a movie he did and he was a really thoughtful and interesting guy so i'm glad i i mean i loved him on happy endings of course so i'm glad that he's getting a new new interesting work he has a um a clothing line i believe that is designed to uh satirize trump's connection to russia huh it's um i'll have to look it up it's pretty great (laughs) He models for it on the site, so I'll. I'll oh find man, it. that I, I will look at that site then. 
That sounded like I was objectifying him, which I, I didn't mean to. I just I feel like he'd be a really funny model. Liz, didn't you mean to objectify him? Because I believe that was a strong element in your time after time review. Yeah. Objectifying men. I I did do a fair amount of that. Uh I managed to objectify a lot of men in that review, actually. <laughs> um, but it's not my fault if ABC puts a shirtless photo of Josh Bowman on the press site. Like, they're asking for it. Uh, they put two, in fact, shirtless photos of him. And they're both from the same scene with different angles. And I'm like, which angle best captures how shirtless this young man is playing Jack the Ripper, but sexy? He's a bad boy, Ben, who murders prostitutes. Because, you know, that is bad. that's not good, certainly. But it doesn't necessarily, sh- should it actually qualify you for sexy bad boy status? Should it? Should it? I don't know. I don't the think point. it should. But anyways, uh, so yeah, the, the show I reviewed is Time After Time, uh, which is based on the 1979 novel. Uh, not, not, it, it is also a novel, but it was based on the film written and directed by Nicholas Meyer. And that film is delightful. That's basically like, I think it was one of my mom's favorite movies when I was a kid, and so I watched it with her, and I really liked it. And I remember actually, it's a really good date movie. If like a revival house, uh, you ever is ever playing it, great date movie. Like try to find find a date for that. I actually did go see it on a date once, and it was a really good date. So that is a verified fact. I can attest to this. Um, and anyways, but the concept is based on, the concept is H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper are buddies, and H.G. Wells has invented his own time machine, just go with it, and uh, then Jack the Ripper steals the time machine to evade getting caught by the police for being Jack the Ripper, and H.G. Uh, Wells follows him into the quote-unquote present. Um, that meant 1979 in the original film, in this case it means 2017. Uh, for uh, the show, which is develop- which was developed by Kevin Williamson, and that's something you forget ab- you might forget about until you see Kevin Williamson get really into all the fact all the serial killer stuff you get when you have Jack the Ripper as a main character of your show. I didn't see time after time, but you told me that the movie was great. The movie's really good. And you told me that the show is okay. The show's fine. Like I mean, it doesn't. It's it's. I think there's there's a version of that show that could have been really great, and that's not it. But it also there's a show version of that show that could have been really terrible, and this is also not it. Like I think the the joke I made is that um, you have to believe that at some point during the development process, uh, there was an idea that H. G. Wells would help a future NYPD detective, who was also of course a hot lady, solve crime, similar to how you know every other procedural on television is guy with weird special skills helps hot lady detective solve crime. That is a popular theory. Well, premise. Premise, yeah. Not a theory. It's an actual thing that happens on television Sometimes. all the time. But eh, rarely. There's only like 30 of them. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> and how many of them do you watch, Ben? <laughs> how many of them have you seen? Like, have you seen any of Lucifer? Yes. Why did you watch Lucifer? Uh, it was on Hulu. Oh. And I was just, I was Tom Capino's creative Californication, so I was curious. It's okay. God, what are, what are the other big ones right now? Like, Bones is going off the air. I haven't really seen much of Bones. Actually, Bones is nice because it's a lady lady with, hot, with special skills helping hot uh, hot male detectives solve crime. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like Castle used to be. Well, Castle definitely was 
guy with special skills helps hot lady detective solve crime. Yeah, but she was the more skilled one. He just was kind of there. Yeah, but they established all the special things he knew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More like the special connections he had to people because he was famous. Yeah, it's weird to remember how much I used to like Castle. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I actually, I think like the first four seasons are a really nice example of how to do a will they, won't they in a procedural setting. Yeah. Definitely Um, got strained like they always do. What? It definitely got strained like they always do. Oh, yeah. Well, it helps... That it, it help it helps lead to set unity if people don't hate each other actively. No comment. <laughs> yep. Not that we know anything about that. True, I don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the the thing about these shows, and we have like a ranked list of all the different time travel shows that are uh, you know currently on the air um, on IndieWire.com. We believe we're going to update that to make official mention. Is it a a ranked list? I thought it was just discussing how, like, it's ranked in the order of, like, how effective their time travel is It's how convoluted or crazy their time travel is. That that was the ranking. It wasn't really based on quality. Right. Um, But that was a fun list to write. We did that with our our, our lovely colleague Han earlier uh, last fall. Um, Time for Timeless. Oh, time for, just in time for Timeless. Um, Which is a show I've been meaning to kind of catch up on. <laughs> you, you you reject that notion. Yeah, I I I love Abigail Spencer and she's great and she deserves better. But it's only a fine show. It's only a fine show. Yeah. And you don't settle for bad. What's your rankings? Well, you don't you don't have time for fine shows. That's true. Like there's too much there's too much good shows and there's too many great shows to have time for fine shows. <laughs> Which is why I probably won't watch time after time. I mean, I, I would not necessarily urge you to. I would not put it at the top of your list. I'm not sure. I think for you, time travel itself is usually a good enough reason for you to sample a show. I might have recorded over 90 episodes of a podcast devoted entirely to time travel once. Well, that's <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> statement with the tag once at the end. <laughs> I did over 90 episodes just the one time, though. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do that. You didn't have two podcasts, or you didn't record the same podcast ninety times twice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, you might have a little bit more interest in time travel, which is makes me curious. What do they need? Like, what does what does a time travel show need to succeed if it is going about it from like a broadcast perspective, from not necessarily a procedural perspective, but something that's based in a sort of common ground, let's say. Well, I think, like, my... Well, you're not going to call it an obsession, necessarily. But we're certainly going to say I really do love the genre of time travel. And I think one of the aspects that really drew me to it is the fact that, like, the genre, when you really embrace it, is, like, the ultimate adventure. Like... Because you're not limited. Because it's the idea of you're not limited to space. You're you've got all of time to explore, and I think the the time travel show that really nailed that for me was uh, always, of course, Doctor Who, where it's just like it, it is. Especially those early seasons written by Russell T Davies, they're so full of joy and excitement at the ability to explore the universe on a level beyond comprehension, and. So I think a lot of these, a lot of the time travel series we're seeing recently, like they're very grounded and very, a lot of times they're very grounded and very like, you know, problem solving, like timeless is technically a, you know, hunt for a fugitive. 
um, time after time. Like, of course, they're dealing dealing with serial killers. And also, they really aren't doing a lot of time travel. Like, there's not... It's really kind of like, now that we're in 2017, we have to deal with this problem we've created. So just to clarify, is it important that there is a lot of time travel? Or are you just noting that this may not be as much of a time travel show as, as others? Um, your second point, absolutely yes. It doesn't... I don't feel like you need to have a ton of time travel. Like, I think... Um, oftentimes in Doctor Who, like essentially an episode begins with the Doctor and his companion arriving in an exotic setting, and they don't they handle the problem and then they get back on the TARDIS and they leave. Like that's kind of the procedural element. Like they don't, you know, usually it, usually they're just kind of like exploring or there's like something they're investigating. But it's it's much more. It has it doesn't have as much to do. It's basically just kind of like it creates the opportunity for setting new settings beyond just simply whatever's on our planet or our city or whatever. Um, so I don't think you you don't need to have a ton of time travel within like the story in order for it to be compelling. But you have to kind of take you have to really embrace what makes this compelling. And that's actually something that based on based on what I've seen the pilot of Making History. And based on that and also reading your review, it sounds like that's a, something the show actually does really get into. It's like time travel is weird and fun to some degree. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's still hitting a lot of familiar points. They even make a joke. One of their ongoing or longer than an episode premises is, is based around the concept of uh, winning money by betting on baseball and they oh, yeah. initially talk they immediately reference so you're just doing back to the future it's like well no 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 it, i didn't i've never seen back to the future but that's what this is so you're just copying it well no i've never seen it i came up with this on my it's different it's our own <laughs> which like works and in, in like kind of alerting the audience again to the fact that they're not taking this all that seriously so much like where they like right. how they're going about constructing these kind of things but that but the it's very funny and that's what matters so they're hitting well-known people and well-known time periods, um, which is something that I feel is almost a requisite of broadcast time travel shows. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 having fun with it in a way that is specific to, you know, women traveling through time, a yep. black person traveling through time, like how that's going to affect them without being too, you know, nasty about it or without being too. Uh, much of a downer like they're they're acknowledging these things it, but it, pushing forward in an interesting way it sounds like kind of the opposite of timeless in that they they timeless also features a woman and a black man traveling through time but they kind of sounds like they, it feels like they yeah. hit that they hit this social element of that a little harder and more you know yeah they're having their timeless fits in a couple of pointed jokes of the same vein mm -hmm. but it feels tonally off kilter whereas this is a comedy so it allows for that sort of thing to pop up a little more naturally and the way they incorporate it makes it feel a little more natural even when you know some of them go on for a long period of time there's a nice nice run of gun jokes within the original within the pilot that's pretty fun and why americans love guns but um but no i mean i i feel like well i feel like i don't know exactly what makes for a good time travel show, mm -hmm. I just know what bothers me, and it's usually it's usually the overly complex notion of how we're doing this or what happens, and the heavy exposition of explaining the consequences of time travel, which become exhausting. Right. And it's like one, we've heard this before. Two, it's not possible, so let's not worry about it. Yeah. And at the same time, a lot of viewers find that very important, and a lot of viewers latch onto it. So. 
it's almost like it's not necessarily its own genre because a lot of it fits within the realm of science fiction. Right. But at the same time, when they're incorporating so many other genres into this time travel mold or, or incorporating time travel into the other genres, then it becomes its own thing. Yeah. I mean, I think really, I think the thing about time travel time travel narratives is that there's so many tropes and so many like expected elements. Like if you bring a guy from the past to the future, you've got to have a montage of him wandering around being marvel- marveling at all the people with iPhones. And uh, time after time adds some flavor to this because H.G. Uh, Wells also marvels at drone at drones on the street and hoverboards um, because hoverboards are apparently still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like and I feel like there are people who legitimately and I totally understand this have no patience for these tropes like are just like not into it. Yeah, well, I mean, and it goes back to the idea of once you've seen it, don't do it again unless you can do it better. Right. So like if you've seen the people walking around marveling at the cities, let's just skip that part and get to something new that you have to say. Um, and that absolutely become can become exhausting. Honestly, from like the brief snippets of time after time that I remember from seeing at the TCAs, my first, and this is totally unfounded, especially from your review, my first thought was this looks like Kate and Leopold. I mean, and actually, there's that element to it. Um, there, because, uh, and I think this is this is where I think this this the, you know, the show has the opportunity to really grow is the fact that it is taking a really grounded care, a really a really character based approach to how H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper see the future. Um, Jack the Ripper, of course, sees all the deep unpleasantness and is like, "Yeah, this is my time, baby." And by the way, he, th- these are lines also that are literally said in the original film. Uh, but, uh, you know, meanwhile, like H.G. Wells is like this, you know, if you read his original writings, like he was a, he had a lot of, he was basically his, um, he was a socialist and he had really idealistic visions of the future and what it could be. Um, and so they're playing with that element. And so Freddie Stroma is very much the proper gentleman very much uh, a courtly, uh, uh, acts very courtly towards the young lady who uh, is kind of the designated girl to show him around. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're playing with that and you know, it's fun. Like I, it, it's like, it's kind of like, it's not exactly like this, but it's similar to how like, you know, sometimes with genre, you, you do just kind of buy into it for the, you know, the 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 enjoyment of almost something expected like this is not challenging television uh it is relatively there's some interesting twists and turns to it but it's kind of like how a romance novel has all romance novels have tend to have pretty much the exact same structure plot wise it's because people want the comfort of knowing what's going to come next well let's uh let's crack this down a little bit because we've danced around the question long enough but with time after time yes I've talked to you about this virtually all day. Um, when not talking about the movie Country Strong. Oh, my God. If I could have spent most of the day talking about Country Strong, that would have been quite the day. Would have been a great day. Day is not over yet. Uh, yeah, well, my cats don't care to hear it anymore. Um, <laughs> but with time after time, would you recommend this to somebody who doesn't care about time travel? No. Would you recommend it to somebody who has a moderate interest in time travel? Yes. Interesting. I would, I would recommend the original film to anyone. Okay. 
it is a cla- it is a classic of the genre. So I feel like the cla- if you're a classic of the genre, you get re- recommended to everybody. But I feel like if they're if you if you enjoy time travel on a casual level, um, you, you you at least it'll at least be worth checking this out. And then you can engage with the weird question of is it is there something fundamentally wrong with the idea of making Jack the Ripper a sexy sexy icon? But in the realm of of just all television, this yeah. is falling more in the mediocre. We don't have to worry too much about it pile. I didn't give it above a B plus. I gave it a B or a B plus. If you gave it a B plus, we would have been having a much different conversation. <laughs> okay, good. I gave it a B. Uh, with Making History, I'd feel comfortable recommending it to anyone, whether you're interested in time travel or not. Um, and I not think that's just clear. because of uh, Ms. Meester? No, absolutely not. Like I've said, like it's she's very much the one worth talking about because that performance is, yeah, it's the best. And then... Her character has the most potential to make the show into something great rather mm-hmm. than just something very enjoyable. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it's just it's a very strong comedy. So I would I'd feel comfortable recommending that no matter what. Let's quickly though, Liz, with your time travel expertise, Go. let's run down a few of these ongoing shows and uh-huh. tell us. I'll first say, uh, would you recommend this to somebody? Well, maybe we can boil this down. So would you recommend this if they do like time travel versus if they don't? Okay. Okay, let's do it. Outlander. You could not like time travel and watch Outlander because it's more of a period drama. Should you watch Outlander if you don't like time travel? Or if you don't care about time travel? Neutral on time travel. I'm going to go with no. Should you watch... Oh, Frequency got canceled, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not officially dead, I don't think. I think it is. Okay. Uh, should you watch... Timeless if you are neutral on time travel? No. Should you watch it if you like time travel? Yes. Should you watch it if you like Abigail Spencer? But Yes. Yeah. You, but you really should like both of those things a lot. Yeah, everybody should like Abigail Spencer, so that should just be like a... Yeah, blanket statement. Um, should you watch DC Legends of Tomorrow if you're neutral on time travel? You had better... You, you really should love the crap out of time travel to watch DC's Legends of Tomorrow. You would have to love the crap out of time travel to watch DC's Legend of Tomorrow. I mean, I'm saying you might have you might if you if you're going to be the one person you know who watches who who watches and enjoys that show, you should probably be someone who has recorded 90 plus episodes of a podcast about time travel. All right, and then this one's curious because the last one is curious because it's got a long-standing history. It's a great show. But should you watch Doctor Who if you're neutral on time travel? That is tough because of my feelings regarding the show as it currently stands versus my feelings regarding the show in its earlier years. Um, if you are neutral on time travel, Doctor Who is probably a tough sell for you. Um, if you are at all vaguely interested in time travel, you at least have to check out a little bit of it because it's an icon. It is, it is one of the fundamental pillars of the genre. And uh, you should start with uh, the, the Russell T. Davies years. And that's right. I don't care as much about Moffat as other people. Boom. 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 Capaldi is, I, 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 and, and I'm actually going to say this, and I've, I've, re- I've never really had the strength to say it, Ben, but I'm going to say it for here and now. I don't like Peter Capaldi as the doctor. Oh, that's mean, Liz. No, Even I, I like Capaldi. I know. I love Capaldi. I don't 
he's not he his he it I I think I just kind of have to stop forcing my, myself to think that he's doing he's a great actor he's doing great work as the doctor it's just something's not right for uh, something something's not right about it for me yeah, and it up. could be, and it could honestly be the fact that he's the first actor who I was very familiar with before he got the role. Mm. So, it, and I think that's honestly probably what it is. It has nothing to do with him or the way his character has been written. It's just simply like a perception issue. Does the perception work in the opposite realm? Like when you watched The Crown and you saw Matt Smith, and you're like, "You're not. Are you the Doctor right now?" Actually, no. Because I travel through time. No, actually, with with uh, sometimes sometimes it comes up as an issue, like. Um, there are a couple. There were a couple of David Tennant roles right after he left Doctor Who, where I had a hard time believing him as not the Doctor. But in general, I've had an easier time of it yeah. with with other actors. That's good. Um, Chris Reckleston, you're cool with. Chris Reckleston can do whatever he wants. You're he's damn great. right he can. Yeah, because you know what show he's on, Benjamin. What? The Leftovers. Yeah. Love it. I know. It makes me really happy. All right, Liz, we're going a little long here, but yes. I do have one final question. Go. And you, you touched on this already, so Go. let's see if we can tighten it up a little bit. Go. But just very simply, why are people so attracted to the time travel, let's call it a genre? Um, well, I think I touched on this already, which is that it, it opens up the capacity for storytelling in a really unique way that um, adds new adventure to, uh, to, to, your, to your story. But why is it timeless? Like, you mentioned how it opens up a lot of doors in within specific stories, but you also mentioned how those are repeated from show to show. You see a lot of the same things from show to show, and granted, there's comfort within that, but there's also just so many different time travel shows out there. The ones we're talking about are fairly conventional, but then you get, you know, films and TV shows that really take it in a, in a brand new angle. Um, is it just that there's potential there that you might see something you haven't seen before while still uh, kind of loving the creature conference? Or like, is it is it the idea that the creativity is less limited than another series? Or is it just kind of people who are partial to believing in that science fiction-like storytelling where you're opening up doors that maybe are to worlds that are otherwise impossible? I feel like all of the things you just suggested are very good, very good, like very good end results of why time travel is is such an interesting storytelling device. But I'm just gonna go like really fundamental and say, there's so, you know, time is this massive, huge thing in all of our lives that we have no control over whatsoever. And I think time travel as a genre, as a narrative element, gives us that control back. And I think that's very sexy, very appealing, uh, very, very fundamentally profound, uh, you know, thing. Well put, Liz. Thank you. I'm sad I ended on the word thing. I wish I had a better word there than thing. Well, time is a flat circle. It is a flat circle indeed. Complexities are endless. So to sum them up is rather difficult. But I thought you did an admirable job. Thank you very much, sir. I apologize for any uh, repetition uh, from from my questions uh, in what we'd already covered while I was trying to look up Adam Pally's clothing line, but I found <laughs> it, guys. I found it. So if you're interested, and you should be, you should go to clonewolfcountry.com and look for the Russian products. There is a particularly great tracksuit that has the Russian flag, and in Russian uh, says, Trump has small hands. That's beautiful. So if you're interested in those kind of things, which 
I think you should be. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend. Yeah. And in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, my God. I had this. You you literally said, it. I was like, oh, man, I got to come up with mine. And you're like, I got this. I'm good. I, I did. This. I felt really confident about it. What did I review this week, Liz? I don't know. Uh, what did you review this week? I reviewed Making History. I don't you did think that. that was my pick. Though I did want to talk more about Layton. Though I did feel, you, like, um, feel like I've covered it pretty well. Yeah. Um, oh, it's the Americans. <laughs> oh, there you go. Of course. Of course. I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet already. Yeah. The Americans season five is out, guys. Like, well, technically it comes out tomorrow. Yes, for, as you If you're listening to this. to this on publication date. But the Americans season five... Ooh, baby. <laughs> Are you in for a treat? Uh, we've only got two seasons left. Season six is shorter. I'm I'm cherishing, trying, I should say, to cherish every episode that we get. There is no drop-off in quality. There is only an additive substance to this season, thanks to the complicated relationship that we now have with Russia. Um, but it's just, it's so good, guys. Like, I, I, I tried to write about it. If you want to read that thing, you can. I'm sure there's plenty good. of other. I liked oh, it. Thanks. I I appreciate you saying that. There's plenty of other great reviews out there over the years, and we're all running. I feel a little low on compliments to give this thing, and we just want to engage in the discussion that it's providing currently, which is so 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 valuable. So anyway, uh, the Americans airs Tuesdays on FX. It is an Emmy nominee. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll be again come 2017. So <laughs> please watch it. And in the meantime, Liz, what was the best thing you watched on TV? We're going to make FX happy once again. I feel like we, we semi-regularly keep it all within the FX family. Um, but I find, I got to watch a screener of uh, Man Seeking Woman, uh, the season finale, which airs next week, uh, or this week as you listen to this. And uh, or did it air last night? Gosh. No, it airs 3-8, March 8th, Thank Wednesday. you very much. Um, but yes, it airs in a couple of days. But if you haven't been watching this season, it's – a really beautiful shift in tone and approach and it's it's only gotten richer and more exciting and it, it and also deeply emotional and romantic like it's a really it's become a really lovely show and i'm very excited to see what it does with season four it took a very specific angle this year which i feel helped it greatly um i loved in the earlier seasons how creative they could be with some of their premises but they almost were working too hard for themselves in mm-hmm. that you got the joke pretty quickly and then they just came up with funny elements within the joke that you already got. So they'd, they'd go off on some tangent like him, you know, like in the pilot, him dating a troll right. and it's a literal troll and the challenges that go along when you just not don't have chemistry with somebody on a first date. And there were jokes within that that were kind of funny that played off the first joke, but it also felt like at times they were stretching that joke long. In this, I think they did a... a in the third season, I should say, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job of providing that joke, providing that twist without giving the payoff too early. Mm -hmm. And that allows the joke to sustain itself even longer. So it feels a lot fresher and funnier throughout each episode than they did at times for the first two seasons. That's a very technically, technically well-observed note about it. 
Uh, I, I interviewed Simon Rich uh, during TCAs, and something I asked him was, "Have you? Do you? How often do you backwards engineer like a wacky idea you have?" into a, like an actual like emotionally driven storyline and he said they used to do it a fair amount like they it used to happen at any rate and um but they stopped they really did make have made a point of stopping that and they really try to make sure everything is every all the wackiness starts in a grounded place mm-hmm. and isn't, isn't just like wouldn't it be funny if josh had to do a thing with a thing yeah and i mean it also felt like throughout those first two seasons they were butting against something that they didn't want to, which was based around their title. Like they, they it's called Man Seeking Woman, so right. they kept repeating this, the, the idea that he was trying to get a date or he'd find a date and he didn't know how to handle it or just whatever common scenarios came across and then they'd portray them in an uncommon way. And in season three, they've they've stopped that. They've, they've switched perspectives consistently, which has opened it up quite a bit. And then also they are fully engaged with a singular ongoing story, which has helped again to open things up and, and make it a little less predictable, even though when you're looking back on the season, you can see exactly the stepping stones that they've taken. Yeah, no, um, it's it's really worth checking out. The first two seasons are on Hulu, um, and then you should be watching the third as soon as it's available. Yeah, note to FX, the Hulu thing is invaluable. That's how I caught up, and then your screener site, God bless you. But Yeah, but even if you if you have a cable subscription, you can watch online as well. Yeah, it's, FX now and all that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, what's the, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Leftovers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Easy. They got a new trailer on Friday. It's great. It was pretty good. Oh, man, Liz. I still need to know if that's a submarine. Yeah. it's. Um, I mean, there's a lot of images in there. Like, Nora is sitting smoking in a hotel room, and the hotel room is very wet. It looks like it's raining inside the hotel room, but obviously that could be sprinklers. Uh, it could be a dream. We don't know what's going on. It could be Are you more flood. or less worried about Nora right now? I am very concerned about it. more than when like like when you watched the last trailer, trailer. yeah no, I'm, I'm equally concerned okay. nora i'm terrified okay i just i want her to be okay liz i know you do i want them all to be okay mm-hmm. and that's not possible really but nora especially deserves it i believe that god nora anyway liz what are you looking forward to um, I am hopefully going to dig into Underground this weekend, uh, which is uh, the little WGN America show that no one watches, but everyone should watch because it's actually really fun. For not fun. fun. Well, the thing, this is the problem. There's some, it, it is at times extraordinarily entertaining. There's some amazing sequences where you're just like, yeah, do it, heroes. And um, then... It is, but it is, of course, a show about life during during slave, life during the era of slavery, and uh, the Underground Railroad. Uh, but there's there's some real like it, it. There are time there are moments that are just really get on your feet and and applaud, um, and especially in the season premiere, uh, which I saw a couple weeks ago, but I want to rewatch before I dig into the rest of the season screeners available. Um, there are some sequences, especially featuring. Um, a group of ladies who form a sewing circle, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and it's really delightful. <laughs> um, wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so you'll be able to read all about that and more on IndieWire.com, where you also find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And if you want to listen to ongoing film coverage, make sure you check out Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn on Screen Talk. 
IndieWire's Film Podcast, as well as IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast with our own Chris O'Fault. Uh, but don't forget, most importantly, the king of podcasts himself, Michael Schneider, is hosting Turn It On, uh, IndieWire TV podcast that's about what's on weekly, featuring interviews with uh, producers, stars of shows that are airing right as you listen to that podcast. Yep. Breaking news. Apparently people care about things that happen in the present and not just the past and the future. What? I know, it's crazy. Not uh, you, Liz. Nope. Nope. I have no interest whatsoever in the moment I'm living in. You're living in the future or you're living in the past. Either or bet. Either or better. Fact. Fact. Hopefully. Um, speaking of the future, we will be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys... Stay country strong. And keep watching television. 